0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Enterprise Sales Development Podcast, brought to you by Science Technologies. We interview outbound leaders at fast growth businesses to learn their secrets and bring you actionable insights. Thanks for joining us this week.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Enterprise Sales Development. I'm Eric Quanstrom, the CMO at Science.
2: And I'm Harry Evans, the Director of Craft and Strategy at Science. Eric, this was such a fun conversation. We, we talked today with Ryan Scalera and Ding Zhang, both of Dooley.ai. And, you know, Ryan, he's known for, well, a lot of things, but one thing that really stands out is how he talks about his wildly creative prospecting. And Ding, some of you might know him as the sales rapper or from salesrap.io. I could talk all about him and all about what those guys do and all that, but rather than take it from me, you'll actually get to hear a little bit more because at the end of this episode, Ding broke out into a freestyle rap about science, unprompted and with no, uh, no prep. So that was a lot of fun and it, it, make sure you make it to the end of the episode to hear that.
3: Here's a taste. Um, I said, how about get a little bit of help for your outbound, you should try it. Yeah, we like it, we love it. Shout out to science, yeah, we on the podcast. Yeah. And and that's kind of one
1: of the themes that we had where, you know, Ding and Ryan both talked about FinPop and 2022 being the year of experiential selling. Boy, that and so many other things make this a can't miss episode for you to listen to.
2: Let's do it. Welcome back, everyone. We're here today with Ryan Scalera and Ding Zhang. Thank you so much for joining us. Really excited to be talking to you guys today.
4: Likewise, excited to chat with the science team.
2: You know it's a pleasure to have you guys especially noting that we have four people on the podcast today not just three and all four have professional audio equipment which will actually come up a little bit later in this conversation i think but it's uh it's nice to be working with some audio and podcasting professionals welcome to the pod and really the reason that we thought you'd be so exciting or one of them to talk to our audience is you have such a unique perspective towards everything you guys do you know it's a world where i think everyone is starting to sound more and more like each other share the same best practices share the same types of outbound read the same white papers on on the same metrics of what you're supposed to do and when we talk about hitting whales prospecting into enterprises you guys have a different approach you talk about experiential sales you talk about fin pop which i'd love you to talk about more you've got autotune ready to go <laughs> so could you tell our audience a little bit about this very unique approach you guys have to selling and and how'd you get there
4: yeah i'll just kind of to, to kick that off well FinPop it could be also like a financial and people operations but in this context of it or music based business to business marketing whatever you want to call it uh, we've taken something that we have a unique ability on and this is not unique across the board there are other sellers that have been in and enjoy and can produce music but i think tying it into what we actually do is what has ended up getting us a little bit of attention, whether it's warranted or not. And it, as you said, it's a fresh perspective. It is getting harder and harder and harder to crack into enterprise organizations, yet more and more of these selling approaches that really work are mimicking B2C. And when you're able to... Put a person on both ends, whatever, the human to human. You can start inserting little bits of your personality, your creativity, things that can actually get the attention of the person on the other end without just basic you know, personalization. Oh, I see you went to Notre Dame, you know, blah, 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 football, quote. I don't want to do that. I, I want to give an experience uh, while I'm prospecting, while I'm selling and going through the motion, that they know that they're buying from Ryan. And that's something I've just laid uh, – thoroughly into over the past year and a half. And my results have, have kind of spoken for themselves with it.
3: Fan
0: pop.
4: <laughs>
0: so I think to, uh, to Ryan's point about the increasing beta seeing of B2B sales and marketing, I, th- I think the term that people buy from people applies here. And we can break down that line, right? And a lot of people say, hey, people buy from people, but I would flip that and put the emphasis on the first part people buy from people. And I think that throughout the past couple of years, we have seen more B2C, more fun, engaging type of approaches taken on the marketing side, in particular with content and with brand uh, and social selling. But I think that that's an earlier part of the buyer's journey. Right. But why are we offering all of this stuff and setting the expectation of difference and fun differentiation? But then once people come inbound, they're placed in a regular sales touch, right? Just the same actions over and over again. There's that inconsistency there. So there's a great opportunity right now for more experiential, more creative approaches on the sales side as well. And I think that's what something Ryan does very
4: well.
1: Why do you think it is that B2B companies lag so hard in this area?
4: Well, I I think it's because you got two different trains of thought. Uh, Usually, you know, marketing truly fully understands. Well, most uh, one's worth their salt. That brand is important. It's kind of why you know why you y'all are like leading this podcast and trying to find interesting and engaging guests. It's it's known through the marketing side of things that there's a value, even though we can't measure it, and then marketing has to go fight for uh, attribution and understanding like, here's what our brand did for us. But sales, you know, purely numbers driven, it's much harder to convince a VP of sales, a CRO, that what we're doing in the creative aspect of the brand is going to be something that's going to be impactful long term and repeatable is kind of the key word there. So I think a lot of the times when I get brought onto an organization, they're like, oh, this is really cool, but I can't duplicate you. And some of that is what I think me and Ding are really trying to Break it's that connection between sales and marketing that allows the salesperson to be able to to utilize what marketing is creating from a brand strategy standpoint into the sales cycle. It doesn't need to be every time, but we're noticing that you know I guess sales is going to be behind until more sellers can prove the ROI. I was just thinking, it seems like the the glue you use to stick that all together
2: is fun rather than maybe a different type of methodology or, or some advanced process, it's, it's fun.
4: Yeah, unexpected is another uh, you know <laughs> area of it. I, I have a particular thing that I do all the time and I think it's gonna get played out eventually and I tell everybody to do it. But uh, I don't know, maybe in a year or two, it'll be the best practice that's, that finally gets uh, overwhelmed. I send a custom GIF or GIF whatever, however you want to pronounce it, with my face and the prospect's face on it. And I usually do this when they haven't answered something or when they slightly respond or when they've ghosted me, maybe. Um, And it's one from Step Brothers that says, uh, did we just become best friends? And he goes, yep. And for some reason, every single time, without fail, the person responds. Whether it's, oh, so sorry. They always laugh first. And I think it humanizes the interaction of sale <laughs> instead of being like, Hey, you know, did you get my last message? Do you want to follow up with me? It's something just to break that noise. And it becomes like engaging with a piece of content as opposed to engaging with a sales rep, looking for the next meeting.
1: And kind I of love that. Yeah. It's like the opposite of the breakup email. It's literally like the let's get closer together email.
4: It's uh, we don't have to take this too seriously. Just give me, give me the, give me the real, you don't need to, to beat around the bush. I'm not going to, you know, ping you with a breakup email, I'm just gonna send something funny. And if you want to respond to it, respond to it. But so far, the response has been great.
0: Yeah, I think tying that to the the fun metric that Harry brought up, I think it's it works well, because I think in the past, people have optimized for customization, personalization, hyper relevance, right? But when everyone does that, and I think the barrier to entry for those things is lower. But as that becomes more proliferate, even video selling, right, personalized video. I think it's not really a debate to say that's less effective today than it was in early 2020. I think that's only gonna get worse as time goes on. Each channel, be- as soon as people find out, hey, this works, LinkedIn works, go DM people. Bam, <laughs> right, everyone's inbox, useless now. And so I think, I think fun works because, at, again, people buy from people, people wanna have fun. I think it's the easiest, most universal way to add value from a blank slate starting point.
1: What do you think of, or how do you think of kind of like the guardrails with fun?
4: It can't offend anyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> just try not to offend anyone. You, it, I definitely know there's people that don't like me or my content, but I'm not worried <laughs> about it because I think the majority uh, at least get it or respect it. If anything, they understand why I'm doing it. That may also be a side effect of selling to sales. Um, I'm sure marketing would feel the same way. But, you know, the the guardrails should be it shouldn't take so much time that it becomes ineffective or becomes effective but only once in a while and for something that's not really worth the, worth the squeeze. And then on the other side, it's like you have to understand who you're going after. So uh, a CISO is very different than a VP of sales. And I've had uh, something funny where, uh, you know, a friend of mine was – Letting me know that he called a CISO and said, hey, John, just real quick, do you want to buy a $50,000 like solution for your cybersecurity team? And the guy was like, no. And he goes, awesome, that's why I'm calling. And it was such a beautiful layup, and he closed something way over 50000 for it. So it, was, it it's, doesn't need to be a rap song. <laughs> it doesn't need to be a, a GIF. Um, if you can align it to the way your audience would react or get that, like, wow, that was actually pretty funny. Then you've you've deployed some sort of fun into the scenario.
0: Yeah, and I think that's where the relevance piece comes in. So, fun in isolation, it's a bad you know uh, benchmark for how effective something is. I think it's when you add fun on top of established branding, messaging, positioning. That's when the power unlocks. Like Ryan said, making fun can be different for everyone, but but I think a good guiding foundational principle is, it should be wholesome fun, right? It, it shouldn't poke anyone or, or place anyone. It shouldn't come down. It shouldn't be at the expense uh, of anything. Uh, you're, you're poking fun at a problem maybe, right? And then again, making sure the message is relevant. I, th- I think if I just hopped on, got the auto-tune uh, and went on wee-woo-wee-woo on some Zoom calls, you know, I don't think that'll have very good translatable effects on sales. Maybe. Timing,
1: is, timing as they say is everything, right? I, I love that 50k head fake though that's that's nice good pattern breaker right there um, <laughs> <laughs> right because because
4: <he, laughs> a CISO, that that's you're calling out true intentions and a, a cso like they're expecting that's exactly what you want and maybe it was at the end of the day but to kind of poke fun at it and and pattern interrupt but i like this is a statement i say over and over again a pattern interrupt is a pattern interrupt until it becomes a pattern that
1: statement i love that
4: yeah that's something we see a lot you have the kind
2: of the pattern interrupt of the day the the one that's very popular for six months or for a year and everyone uses it and what's interesting is there's a data trap there because they use it because it worked so there's a bunch of data that then shows people using it and it working but they don't realize that it falls off and it can take a really long time before they realize that everyone's become numb to it and it seems these days more than ever that happens faster and faster than ever before so how do you guys get around that without you know the most common pushback i'm sure that you get is well what if it's unprofessional what if it's not that's not how you're supposed to do
4: that thing? so how do you
2: ride that line properly
4: i think for me i've been lucky enough in a position where i can validate some people in the highest professional levels like at multi-billion dollar corporations in the c-suite responding extremely well it's human to human now there are going to be people and personas it you need your personality needs to fit it i think my like corny humor and, and some of the ways we go about stuff ends up helping that in the persona I sell to. But I would change it if I was selling to a more serious, more data-driven or, or uh, professional persona. So uh, there is a little bit up to the rep that has to get along with that. But you know who's going to help that? Marketing. If you have good marketing leadership that understands their audience, how they want to be spoken to, then you can translate some of that and how they need to be sold to with that creativity as well. Selling to sales leaders, me and Ding are allowed to go like full suite because I think that sales have that, I don't know, there's an edge to it that allows us to go a little bit beyond what the typical seller profile would allow. I don't know, Ding, if you're, if you feel so this way.
0: I would almost challenge that. In that, I think there's there's two two sides to that coin, right? I think there's a certain level of professionality that, you know, baseline. Once you reach that, it's more about this creative approach. It's great, but that doesn't mean it's for everyone. Like Ryan said, it depends on who you sell to, what your product is, uh, what your overall brand strategy is. Does it make sense? Does it fit? Because it doesn't work the same for everyone. My challenge to that, though, is we look at our standards, both from a professional workforce or in an overall society what was acceptable 50 years ago versus now. And kind of like Harry kind of brought this up, things move quicker than ever. And I think standards are shifting more than ever, right? We're on this call today, you know, I'm wearing a just a, a zip up jacket, I see Harry's in a hoodie, right? Ryan's in a t-shirt. That's all Gucci nowadays, right? But even four years ago, that's a bit of a stretch.
4: Yeah, you can even say Gucci in a sentence, and
2: uh, that's right. <laughs> on a business, and it just
4: kind of worked. <laughs> yeah, and Eric's just had of
2: science T-shirts at this point. <laughs> that's right. Yeah,
1: L- lazy on laundry. So let's let's take this and peel the onion even further. I'm curious to know your guys's process when you're kind of thinking through new campaign, new ICP, new like client that I'm you know kind of introducing some of these concepts to. What are the things that for you are part of the of the job
0: so from from the agency side sales rap what i do with it's it's a lot of typical business stuff and it's funny because people always ask hey you're a rapper right or or you're a sales rapper or an influencer what do you do well it's you know i hop on calls with people you know (laughs) have discovery uh demo right close making my own content have a lot of client intake conversations learning about businesses learning about what problems those businesses solve so then I can apply, you know, the more the creative craft
4: towards that. And for for me, it's I usually try to get a temperature check on their social strategy or the way that they engage. If they're heavy on LinkedIn and they're involved in some fun creative activity and content, I know I can uh, take that and apply it. I think a good example is when I did a, I did a custom music video for uh, Get Accept. And one of their VPs of sales had gone on the Ellen DeGeneres show or gotten on it because he did a cover of Hey Ya with his friends. And so what do I do is I create a cover of Hey Ya to end up selling their company on what was my previous company, Gap Selling, on their sales training. And I went in, I connected. I saw that their strategy was stepping outside of the box and being a little bit more creative and personalized. I went and connected with as many of their internal folks as possible. I tried to understand if there was an actual problem worth solving, kind of like what Ding said. Um, And then I took everything that I learned, I packaged it in a medium that they would, I feel like, accept, which actually happened to be a public forum And, and place it out there. Now, was it a guess? Yes, it was an educated guess. And there was a lot of thought and a lot of planning to try and make this something that would hit the right people at the right time in the right way. And a lot of what I'm doing now, even on my accounts, if I'm not doing a music video or anything wildly creative, I'm going about it in the same way. I'm digging into the account. I'm getting a temperature check on the people. I'm seeing if I know anybody, if I have any network that can introduce me paint a little bit better of a picture so that when I reach out to someone of real importance that can make a decision on what I'm trying to get in front of them, it, it lands correctly. I know their email inboxes are probably flooded. Am I going to get in through LinkedIn? Is it better to hit them with a cold call? It's all depending on that prep and research.
2: So when you're doing that in particular, you know, some of the tactics you've talked about are really good on the top of the funnel. For example, connecting with everyone on LinkedIn, seeing if you have shared connections, um, seeing what everyone's talking about. Some of them can obviously only be used later in a demo. You know, there's only so much auto-tune you can use in a cold call uh, and get someone to stay on the phone, for example, though, these days, I'm starting to wonder now, now you've got me
4: thinking, but- I wanna try it out, that's all I'm saying. (laughs)
2: At some point, I bet you can pull it off some way or another, but in particular, when we talk about top of funnel, love the research and prospecting examples you gave. How else are you creative? How, what else do you bring in that's a little different from the standard cold call or the standard email to start getting pipeline built to get people on the on the books when maybe you don't have all the information, especially because a lot of times it is a little bit harder to find. you know, love that story. That's um, you know, having them put out a video that on Ellen and then you can mock them making a video mocking another video. I mean that's perfect. Some companies are more of a, of a lock box. So when you start prospecting, how do you stand out there if you don't have something unique to jump on?
4: So it's going to be a lot more on a one-to-one basis. I think uh, back to a point you said, like video, it may not be as effective as it was like a decade ago when it, when it first started hitting. Okay. So instead of reinventing the wheel, just throw some rims on it, rotate the wheel 90 degrees, something like that. Uh, I now use cover images in my prospecting. I go onto Canva, I take out my background, I put them in it, I put like a volcano, something just to stand out. The video is totally normal after that. It's just being, hey, John, I saw this. I keep using John as an example. We're going to use Amy now. Amy saw this and this is happening at the company, wondered how that applies to your objective with this. We see when this happens, this is also present. I can share with you exactly how we can solve that. Or I reach out to someone that's already a fan of the content I'm pushing and I try to get a little bit of intel. There's a multitude of ways. I'm definitely not on the side of like, I'm just gonna send you a $25 Amazon gift card and just for you to give me a conversation. I'd rather not take those. And I know that most of the gifting companies will probably turn over in their grave right now. (laughs) But that's not creativity to me because everyone's doing it. It's finding where you can get in and putting a slight spin on it. Even I think people that were really good at email subject lines had a great time for a while because they were able to get the first thing needed, which is attention. And then the second thing needed is relevance and timeliness and you know so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, and I think this is, this is something where coming from the marketing side and from a content perspective, I think this is where we could provide more air cover for Ryan in the trenches, in the front lines, in that you know, we might get a closed box. We might get, you know, sealed lips from an account, but then there is that existing established. So once Ryan goes in or one of the SDRs goes in, hey, have you heard about, you know, XNX and Activate, about duly what have you? Then there is something to reference, right? It's it's less of, hey, a company page from 2017 hasn't been updated. Uh, last post on LinkedIn a year and a half ago, right? It just, it it's almost like world building, Is the word I like to use? Tolkien, you know, creating the lore around a certain brand, right? But but in this B two B application, what are the use cases? What are the tales of success?
1: You know, I love this. This is all in the theme of moving down an account based marketing path, with you know account based sales development, kind of like riding shotgun, if you will, and thinking about everything strategically, or at least what you find when you start to do that digging which is one of the reasons why I was asking about process. Tell me about some of the accounts where you know, you've know you dug in and, and you tried some things and maybe they didn't work and what you learned
4: from them. First example, that VP from Get Accept, did never, accept never responded, never accepted my connection request, but his CSO, his CSO and everybody else did. So there's sometimes it's just not going to land. There's been times where I've put a lot of effort in and reached out and sent something to him and it, it just doesn't hit. It's not going to each time, but how many times do you send an email and have it not work out? It's, it's all relative. I think it's trying to really measure like which of these key accounts are going to be worthwhile. That's why a lot of the time I focused was either smaller companies that also sold to my ICP, so it got double the reach or, or exponential uh, amount of the reach or to a much larger company that would be worth me taking 30 minutes to create a, a good high quality video for. But there's just been ones that just don't respond and there's been effort put in and it's like, well, that stinks. That yeah. was a death, isn't it? <laughs> I think it's um, for, for me
0: and, and Ryan, you may feel this as well. It's uh, one of the biggest learnings uh, over doing this for the past year or two is that you because time is limited bandwidth is limited and you don't want to waste valuable selling time or, or whatever you want to call it doing high energy activities that don't yield anything or that aren't relevant so I, I think a a walk uh, or crawl walk run approach is good for these uh, and again right you could determine based on the the count rating but also the initial responses towards that and I think that opens up a More opportunity in the sense that once you do get that positive feedback reception, you can then double down on it. Hey, this works. All right, let's customize your buying experience even more.
4: I just got an email today that said, hey, Ryan, uh, really looking forward to our call. By the way, I've seen a lot of your content, so I absolutely expect a music video at some point during our call. That is not the expectation I actually want. That's not a good thing. I'm like, oh, great. Now I, now I got to come up with something and figure out it is a smaller account, um, which is funny and it's great. And it's like there's brand awareness there. So I think the conversation will go good. Will I get away with that doing a music video? Probably. <laughs> but another thing is that like, I don't want people to think that this is going to replace their traditional approach. Those work but sometimes they take longer. What we're what we're really trying to discuss is how we can maybe speed some of this up. I've had a specific scenario where I was working my way up, bottom up strategy, and got to a point where there was some blockers and I needed someone right up underneath the t- tippy top. So I text the CEO of the company, like basically, in other words, like your stuff is broken. And here's why I want the call, and here's all the prep, and here's all the discovery, and here's what I think I could solve, and how I can solve it. And he chuckled and got me the meeting. Um, And that it was just going a little bit out of the norm, and that's what drove the deal faster. So, if anything, you know, do your 17 touches across 11, you know, business. Personas that you have to buy in, that all is going to be helpful when it comes time to actually close this down. But if you want to accelerate things, you can add a little bit of creativity in there.
2: Love that. And, you know, Ding, you mentioned marketing being able to step up and support in a lot of these situations. I'm sure a lot of our listeners who are standing up enterprise sales development teams are thinking, I don't have a Ding. Um, I, we don't have a marketing team that's been looking to do this and has AutoTune ready to go and a professional audio setup and all that. So for, the sales rep who's selling into enterprise or the sales development rep or the person standing up a team like that, how do they come to marketing and how do we help you help me kind of thing? How, how do you go to marketing and say, I want to take this kind of an approach? What can you do if the marketing team doesn't already do these types of things? Sure. So I, I also, you might have, have some ways of going to marketing teams that have worked for you. Sorry, go ahead. I'm
0: actually curious about Ryan's perspective on this. So so I will say I generally worked with sales teams that have good working relationships with marketing. There's a lot of communication there. So things are and, and there is momentum and motion from the marketing side to do more creative things that support sales. I would say for the the reps on the ground level that don't have Know that in place, open up the door conversation. Uh, A lot of marketers, a lot of good marketers want to talk to sales desperately, you know, wanting to get a pulse check on what sales is feeling. uh, And if what marketing is doing aligns with that, aligns to pipeline, right, is driving revenue for the individual contributor, the the rep that maybe the SDR, right? What I would say is, you know, it's sales 101, but control the controllable uh, at that point. I think what's really helpful is rather than making that ask, coming forward with you know an MVP, a blueprint or something or, or demonstrate results. Hey, I ran this at a small scale with my own p- accounts and this worked pretty well, here's the data, All right? What can we do from an overall marketing perspective uh, that can utilize this?
2: I like that scalability. Ryan, how about yourself? I know Ding was mentioning, curious By the about the here.
1: As the CMO in this discussion, I would absolutely die and love if any of our SDRs like came with an MVP along those lines to be blown up,
4: yeah, Um, SDRs uh, science, yeah, that was there. your that was your calling card right there. You need <laughs> any help? Eric's your guy. It's it's really the thing. There's, so there's twofold. I've worked for teams that marketing was just like, no, we're going our own way. We're solely focused on demand gen, pay per click. I don't care what you're doing creatively. Brand is. Brand is supposed to be very professional and corporate. I don't want any, like, overlap here. And then, again, I do think that marketing is probably dying to get some more attribution and understand how they can affect revenue so that they can go back to their boss and say, hey... (laughs) here's what we've driven here's how we're helping support the team and here's a dollar amount that actually came from it rather than just top funnel pipeline generation like we actually influence something further down the funnel that's really exciting and i think it would be exciting to a lot of marketers and you know eric i'll i'll let you you bounce off that but i've definitely been in a situation where marketing was not aligned and they're not doing any of this stuff um it just wasn't in their objectives so Sales has a couple different outlets there. They can go outside and get advice uh, from other people that that do have that good relationship. They can go internally and ask for that help. And if anyone is willing to give resources or time to help with that, or they can try and take a stab at it themselves and document the living hell out of it and then bring it to the people and say, like, hey, this is helpful. I have plenty of Slack and text conversations with our head of marketing uh, Mark Young and he's always asking how can I help and I said hey you know this is going on and he's like cool I'm shipping a hot sauce to him I'm going to hit him up on LinkedIn and uh, I'm going to see what I can do to get a little insight for you and maybe hopefully influence the relationship a little bit things like that can really help especially enterprise
1: boy that I think that that was really well put it occurs to me that one of the things that's happening here is people giving themselves permission to experiment, to try new things, to say, hey, experimental, maybe that's something that we you know, should try and fail if, if need be so that we can learn from it.
4: Yeah, unfortunately, I think it uh, it's usually done best when it's top approved, like top yeah. down, uh, like we're all in alignment that this could be valuable. So for the folks that don't have that kind of support system, The best thing you can do is instead of complaining and keep on pushing for it, is go out, experiment lightly and come back with something solid. You know, I'm sure that your VP of sales, if you're closing three times the amount of the business that everybody else is, is going to start to listen to you if you say that this is adding to that success.
2: You know, I think that's a great shout out, especially to the individual contributors, because so many managers and leaders want to take that approach. But they have this one lone wolf performer or this one performer, they feel like I can't clone that person. I wish I could. So if you can give them, here's a little bit of a, you know, a taste of the magic that I make in a way that they can then teach to someone else that it's, it's so impactful to those managers and those leaders. And it makes a really big statement to the company. And I I think that's the step that a
4: lot of people don't realize they can pretty easily take. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's easy to say across any side, the, the person who has the most funnel should be doing pretty well so if any of that is generated towards that not a bad idea
2: so i've got a question that's a little unique right now this podcast is going to be coming out probably right around the holiday season give or take a few weeks we get so many questions about holidays selling and how you work around days off thankfully this year it's uh, saturdays for new year's and christmas so that makes life a little bit easier but how do you work around those types of times and thanksgiving and we hear every platitude from this is the best season of the year to this is the worst season of the year. Nobody answers the phones. Everybody answers. What are your takes on the holiday season in general? Q4. That's what true. I mean by that specifically to give you a little more to work with there, sorry, is do you have to be more creative? Does it give more opportunities to do this type of creative thing to do You know, holiday oriented marketing and outbound? Or is it such a unique time that it's more about speed and getting down to business while you have someone's attention?
4: That's a hard question. I guess it really depends on the the particular company or rep in question. But I would think that, yeah, it gives a lot of stuff. Because I think what holidays do is they start to bring some sort of communal emotions and feelings, and you can use that to tap into it. Now, what I'm not saying to do is, you know, I hope you're doing well during these challenging disparate time or whatever that was going on during COVID, you know, I hope you're doing pretty terrible during these uh, challenging times because I have a way to help you. Like that, that, just that could have been a little bit better. And I still get that. I still get that message from salespeople selling me not knowing they're selling to the wrong ICP. Uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, put yourself in a dang elf hat, uh, do something fun, do something a little bit different, share something a little bit different. This is a, a fun time to, experiment a little bit. But yeah, you should also be focusing on the ones that are ready to have a conversation because if anything slows down towards the end of the year, you know, new sales conversations.
0: <laughs> yeah, and to to add to that, I would say that from a content perspective, like the holidays are just com- good content, right? Elf on the shelf, it's Thanksgiving, right? And we just had Halloween. And you could design a lot of marketing campaigns around those themes. The danger, the slippery slope, I'd say, is that these holidays are not new and marketing schemes designed around these holidays are also not new. Uh, so Harry, I would actually say maybe pattern breaking experiential marketing plays would honestly work better during a more quiet time from a holiday like a purely holiday perspective. Now year end, that's a different conversation. Right. Uh, and, and that to, to Ryan's point right now is a lot of budgets uh, conversations are being had, you know, things are frozen, there's no new sales combos. And I think uh, an important that from the sales side is, you know, you just got to play the consistent game long term uh, is, you know, your results. Now were probably determined by how hard you worked, you know, a few weeks, a couple of months ago.
2: So to your point, it's almost what Ryan said earlier, it's that pattern breaking became a pattern when it comes to the holidays. So now that's a new pattern to be avoided. I would
0: think so. I haven't, I mean, I haven't watched the the Macy's Thanksgiving parade in years. Uh, you know, I'm kind of, I'm tuned off from all the, the Christmas commercial, you know, really commercial messaging that happens every year. I think a lot of people are as well. And that's just one example of it.
1: I can also say this after so many years on the buy side, there hasn't been anything new under the sun to introduce holidays in a way that's meaningful to any kind of like conversation opening activity that you might attach it to now maybe there's room for pattern there right like if I'm saying this and goodness knows I get tens of thousands of outreach (laughs) I see it all and uh and I just don't find that much originality under the sun that's the lump of coal in the stocking right there
4: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely
2: You know i want to make sure that we have time to cover a few remaining topics so i'm going to do a hard pivot here one thing that we wanted to talk about you know ding you've in particular been very active in the asian professionals community especially in sales sales development and marketing and we've had guests that have talked about women in sales african-american in sales community would love to hear what you're doing in the asian professionals community because i think a lot of our listeners would love to be a part of that
0: Absolutely. So I think it, it's it's good to start out with a bit of context uh, around the Asian community in sales and in tech in particular. So as we all know, uh, East and South Asians are overrepresented in tech as a whole. But generally, when you break that down, it really falls into technical roles. And, and there's also that bamboo ceiling of leadership, right? So, so Asian Americans, Asians coming into uh, the tech space in non-technical roles like sales like marketing two of the biggest challenges that we face one is you know it's harder to find an internal champion executive champion right hey what's what's the lay of the land what are the ropes how to navigate this professional career just simply due to you know not having any leadership that you feel like looks like you that is representing you that's one challenge in in the second right in terms of uh tribal knowledge you know it's a uh, it's harder in these community spaces for hey what you know what is the current best practices like how how should you move about in this industry what's been effective there's less of that dialogue and conversation going on and I think for for a lot of minorities there's there is that pressure I think it comes from the the immigrant mentality right keep your head low work hard um, and Asians in particular you guys have this problem where it's like you know, you want to remain kind of humble and quiet, and you don't want to show out. But I think in Western society, you know, that's really not the way uh, to do things, especially in a professional environment, right? You want to speak up. You want to uh, really demonstrate your impact uh, and have conversations uh, so you can, you know, help better. So what we've built with the Asian Professionals Community is a way to address some of those issues by providing mentorship, community led events and provide that support and education, that system that might, might be lacking. Like, people that feel marginalized, you know, and isolated within the, their larger professional context can have other people to relate to and share and build with. So yeah, that's a quick overview of the Asian professionals. We're on, uh, we're on Clubhouse, we're on Slack.
2: I think that's awesome. And, and thank you for doing that. Definitely check them out for our listeners, check them out on Clubhouse and Slack. And there are so many programs like that going on right now. I think people think it takes a lot to be involved. But to your point, it just takes a little bit, whether it's being a mentor, whether it's just joining a community and having part of a conversation. So uh, is there anything they need to look for? Just Asian professionals on Clubhouse and Slack or anything in particular to search for?
0: That's right. We're we're, I think we're working on a, a website at some point, but for now, find us on Clubhouse, Asian professionals, community, follow the club.
2: That's great. And then Ryan, you always seem to have about 130 side projects going on at once. What are you up to these days? Obviously uh, you guys are both killing it at Dooley. Is that your main focus or anything else exciting going on right now in the world of Ryan Scalera?
4: So that is the main focus that will be live by the time this airs. I am doing a lot around sales motions on top of product-led growth companies. And I'm doing a webinar, let's say, Two days from now, but, you know, that won't be present when you your listeners are here. Plan to do a lot more content around that just because I think there is a lot of talk around product-led growth and how it's amazing. But I think what most people don't realize is that look at every top huge PLG company. They have a massive sales team. So really perfecting how to put a sales motion on top of that, that drives these deals quicker and provides a lot of relevance. It makes my job of creative prospecting a lot easier. So I'm putting a lot of hypotheses down on that. And hopefully some of it may be valuable, but check me out on LinkedIn. I guess that's probably my only shameless plug other than uh, duly makes it a, a lot easier for you to do your sales job.
1: Definitely feels like with PLG companies, the the figuring out of the sales development motion
4: is early innings at best. It's and it's it's hard because I think a lot of these companies don't leverage the product usage data in a way that's actually going to be incorporated into that outbound strategy. A lot of the times I'll be like, hey, John, Amy, hey, Amy, uh, notice that five year rep signed up for Dually. Typically, when that happens, two things are going on. They're uh, making drastic changes to the sales process, or you've been pressing for more frequent updates uh, in Salesforce. I wanted to share how we can marry both of those objectives for you. And using that ongoing basis, John, seven more people signed up. What has changed in the internal process that might have prompted this? Well, it's, it's interesting. Light touches.
2: It's interesting to notice that nothing you said there were features. You know, in a product-led growth space, the the instinct is to go look at all the cool things our new product can do. Look at our beautiful new baby. But yep. I noticed that nothing you said there had anything to do with that. It wasn't features and capabilities. It was pains and problems and issues and goals one and all no represented
4: one. by usage. I don't know why, because it's like product-led growth, we're so hyper-focused on the product, These, the founders may get lost in that. And that's what I'm trying to hammer down, is it's still the reason why they're going to buy is a business problem. In product-led growth, your end user comes in thirsty, and they're looking for a glass of water as soon as they can find it. But a sales rep is supposed to come in and talk about dehydration and understand, what is your diet? What does your salt intake look like? Have you been running frequently? Like, do you have a, do you run the fan on all night? Like, those are the things that are going to lead to a broader problem that leads to a larger purchase. And in this environment I'm in, I have to run a bottom up and a top down. That end user data is really important. So how do you apply that in a way that's relevant to a business decision maker at a company? Well, with that, we are running towards
2: the tail end of our time. You know, Ryan, you mentioned a moment ago, a very, very soft plug on Dooley. I think you guys can probably do a little stronger than that. So we'd love to give you a few minutes to talk about what you guys are doing at Dooley and why everybody listening should check out duly.ai. Mm-hmm. And then for our listeners, please make sure you don't tune out because we're going to close out with something a little bit different. A freestyle rap, I believe about, was it science? Was it about Dooley? What, what's the... about?
0: about everything, anything and everything, and to make this even more fun and interactive. So uh, this is for the listener, what's gonna happen is I'm gonna have Harry and Eric type words into the Zoom chat live, and I'm gonna be incorporating the live material into the performance as well.
2: We'll try not to be too tough on you. (laughs) All right, well, let's start with, if you wanna give us a little bit of information about Dooley, that would be awesome.
4: For sure. So Dooley, in, in my opinion, works a lot as a tech stack and workflow aggregator for sales teams. I have a million different tools that I have to interact with. I have to take notes. I have to update my pipeline and update key fields or across the opportunity account and lead object. I have to send my notes into Slack to different stakeholders in the business or customer success. Ultimately, what Dooley does is give me the easiest possible method to get all that done in like one click. So as I'm taking my notes, I'm updating Salesforce I'm pulling data in from my calendar. I'm passing my handoff notes over to the right folks. It gives me back roughly an hour per rep per day. And that's just the time saving. So there's a lot more that ends up coming about from this. And uh, that's kind of high level view. That's fantastic. Anything you wanted to add there, Ding?
0: Sure. So- Ryan did a great job, obviously, on the sales side, infinitely better than uh, me at talking about Dooley. <laughs> I'm over here, at, uh, you know, working with the marketing team, adding more of these fun experiential elements. If you're interested in learning more about what a sales rap or fin pop could be, or creative outbound touches jingles for a bump email, ooh, go to salesrap.io, the agency just launched or we're ready to work with new clients, again, salesrap.io and
2: ready to freestyle. You're officially the sales rapper now. Here we go. Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah. I said you should try it. Uh, We'd be on a sales diet. Uh, try to get some clients. Yeah. I got to hit up science. Yo, I think my key is off on a auto tune. So I gotta switch it back, and you know that it's a fact. A sales marketing attack, yeah. Just came from the weekend, exercising all the marketing demons. Set appointments on a cold call with the legion, yeah. And I got this. How we blowing up like a ship, not a rocket. And I do the enterprise. We got some prospects, yeah. And quick close, it's toasting If you know ding, there's no ghosting Yeah All the D-man, that's what I'm demanding The objections, that's what we've been handling Yeah, it's relevant, we never pandering. Um I said, how about Get a little bit of help for your outbound You should try it Yeah, we like it, we love it Shout out to science Yeah, we on the podcast Yes.
1: Oh my God, that was so good.